Hello, shippers, and pray permit us the honor of extending a most cordial welcome to our esteemed assembly as we gather to partake in the delightful spectacle of our show. <laughs> That's Jane Austen's speech for Welcome to Our Show. Today, we start a two-part series on sense and sensibility, starting with Eleanor and Edward. Do we ship it? Listen to find out. Hi, everyone. I'm Steph. And I'm Devin. And welcome to the We Ship It podcast, the show where Devin and I and our occasional guests gab and guss about our favorite and not-so-favorite ships of all time. That's right. And today we are jumping back to a Jane Austen classic, Sense and Sensibility. Of the two sisters, Eleanor is the sense, and it shows. <laughs> it does show. <laughs> Her and Edward spend barely any time together during the actual story itself, but they have a strong bond that solidifies their love 100 percent. and i know devin this was not your favorite <laughs> this is of not the my Jane favorite Austen story novels. uh but it's it's not my favorite of her novels either but i will say um there are elements of it that i think are really important when we're talking about relationships um yeah, I most think especially once... what the the sense and sensibility conversation which we're going to talk oh, for about sure today. Yeah, I think that is an important conversation to have. Um, I do think after like after putting it down and kind of not rereading it, but revisiting it, I got a better sense of it mm -hmm. sense. Um, <laughs> I still have like I just I, there was no draw for me. There was no pull. So mm. that, I, I get it. Those I reservations think... aside, I'm excited for this conversation. Yes, it mainly probably stems from the fact that we don't get as much of the lovey-dovey stuff. However, thinking about Austin in general, like we don't tend to get as much lovey-dovey stuff as they put in the movies anyway. Um, but but that's the beauty of the story, which we'll talk about more. I, mm -hmm. I'm a huge Austin fan so much, Whitney, you probably don't know this, but I'm going to name my daughter Jane. Uh, so, oh, Am I supposed to <laughs> You're announcing it pretty early, but I guess by that well, time. This will come out by the time that she's out. And if I change the name, then at least people will have known that this was my intention <laughs> was to name her Jane. Um, but either way, um, yeah, so I love Jane Austen. I think that her stories are amazing. Sense and Sensibility is not my favorite, but I, I don't have any least favorites of hers, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. So excited to and dive without in further ado we should welcome our guest uh whitney die from the bookstagram uh mama ink drinker to join us welcome whitney thank you <laughs> <laughs> whitney die is an elementary librarian and runs the bookstagram mama ink drinker she is new to the austin world and sense of sensibility was a book she was eager to try out so welcome to the show yay i'm so glad you're here so have you read other austins whitney only one so far, um, Pride and Prejudice. That's and what the, did that's you a think? One. I liked it. I liked it. I had yeah. already seen like the movie, um, mm -hmm. I, I, just the 1995 movie. Um, yep. I hadn't seen the. What other one is there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm kidding. So, then I read the book, and then I watched the the other one that was I can't remember the year, but the other one, um, and yeah, so. This is my this was my second one. Cool. Awesome. I was excited to read it though. Cool. Well, I'm glad it was that probably you did. helpful for you to watch it and then kind of return mm -hmm. to it just so that sometimes for me, like because it's 
older, it takes me a lot more time to process the language. So at least I need, mm -hmm. I, at least for me, I, I would enjoy watching it and then being able to kind of interpret it as I'm reading it in my mind, in a sense. Mm -hmm. I also like um, with both of the with both of Austin's books that I've read. Um, I read it and listened to it on mm -hmm. audio the same time which i need I think to do that that helped me a lot to process it and understand mm -hmm. the language and like what was going on <laughs> yeah not that it's difficult language but it's much different than what we're used to yeah, um, it's just odd like yeah. you know it's just not what what we talk every day <laughs> what I, what I normally <laughs> and mean. she's uh the modern like that that would this she was considered the modern uh writer for romance so which is really interesting yes indeed yes indeed well before we hop in and get too far into our Jane Austen <laughs> conversation, I am going to pull up my random question generator, which lucky you, uh, for some reason, crapped out while we were talking. And I don't know what the stupid question was. Oh, no, so a now new one. <laughs> it's, it's a not stupid question now, but it's going to be fun. So what is one of your favorite comfort foods? Like, what is the food you go to when you need comfort? Um, so right now, fun fact, um, we've been doing fertility treatments for like two years. Um, and so my diet is very different than normal. Mm. Um, so my favorite thing right now, um, would probably be granola. Oh, um, okay. Like even six months ago, I would have never thought that was going to be my answer. Um, but we found like a one that had a little bit of chocolate in it at the store and I eat it all the time. Do you wow. just eat it plain or do you eat, do you have to have it with something? Just plain. Just All right. I love it. It's awesome. So yeah. I do enjoy my own granola. Oh yeah. It's some good stuff. Devin. Um if I'm talking like my favorite food, it has to be like Chinese food in general. Oh, I love Chinese food. But if I'm talking about like a comfort food, ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love I'm me have some ice cream. <laughs> So good. I love my mom's penne alla vodka. Ooh. She puts a little, what is it? It's not prosciutto. It's like the little bacon squares. Pancetta. She pancetta. puts like pancetta in it. And it's just like heavy cream and vodka <laughs> and tomato. And it's just like my favorite thing in the world that actually does comfort me. Like I have on several occasions been like near to tears and that sauce has saved my life. <laughs> Shout awesome. out to Mama Schmidt. Thanks, Mary. For her penne alla vodka, which she coincidentally made yesterday and froze. She made double and froze for when I'm, you know, a week postpartum and need food. <laughs> so comfort food to come. Yay. So, Yes, indeed. All right. So let's dive in to Eleanor and Edward. But before we do, here's your famous spoiler alert. Uh, we will be going into plot details on the show today. So be warned. Tom said, and I disagree with him about this. You know that he is a little bit. <laughs> he says we don't need to say spoiler He alert. says you shouldn't because if somebody <laughs> doesn't know that you're going to be talking about plot points, then they should have it ruined for them. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to give a spoiler alert. Um, but anyway, yes. So thank you for the spoiler alert. Devin. Yeah. Someone might be just listening because they like to hear us and don't necessarily yeah. know the couple themselves. So exactly. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, All right. Tom. <laughs> so um, anyway, here's the little summary I put together. 
So we meet Marianne and Eleanor after their father's passed away. Um, their half brother, John, is convinced, which I, I do not like his wife. I do not like his wife. Um, but I don't think we're supposed to. <laughs> no. Um, he's convinced by his wife, his witchy wife, um, not to give them nearly as much money as he was thinking when he promised his fa- his late father on his deathbed. Um, so the two Dashwood sisters and their mother end up living in a cottage. Um, immediately they're welcomed by neighbors, including a guy named Colonel Brandon. Now we're not talking about Colonel Brandon in this episode, but we will talk about him next time. Um, he's much older than Marianne, but instantly takes a liking to her, but he's kind of an important part of the plot here. So Marianne instead falls for a guy named Willoughby who Eleanor likes and then doesn't like, and is sort of like this guy is sus um but yeah so that's a big part of the plot so eleanor herself finds herself in love with edward ferris who also he um, comes introduced i don't know if he's introduced or if he just comes to visit them at the cottage in the beginning um but upon meeting is very taken with eleanor uh The problem is neither of them show their emotions very outright. And this is where the whole sense parts of sense and sensibility comes in. Um, So after they meet, he sort of avoids the sisters for a while. Um, And Eleanor doesn't really know what to make of it. Throughout the story, uh, Eleanor focuses a lot on her sister's relationship issues rather than her own um, and wonders, just continuously wonders about Edward's feelings for her. Every time she sees him, she doesn't quite have the courage to ask or say anything. Um, Eventually, a young woman named Lucy Steele confides in her that Edward and her are actually secretly engaged and Eleanor becomes so suspicious and just upset about this doesn't understand like how Edward could do something like this um but anyway as Marianne heals from her relationship drama which we will talk a lot about next episode uh, Edward and Eleanor meet a few times avoiding the topic of their relationship but eventually Eleanor hears that he's engaged to Lucy now this is what awakens the sensibility in her when she hears this this is like the first time we see true emotion coming from her Um, she's super upset later Edward comes tells her she's not engaged to me she's engaged to my brother Robert Also, Lucy kind of sucks, so we'll talk about her, too. Um, But uh, So then Edward comes and he confesses his love for Eleanor. He says he's not engaged, rather his brother is, and he wants to instead marry her. Uh, Eventually, the two couples, and when I say two couples, I mean Eleanor and Edward, and then Marianne and Colonel Brandon, uh, they live as neighbors, and they're content. Uh, So I love that. I love the whole, like, wrapped up ending of jane austen mm-hmm. that's just so perfect <laughs> like, yeah she kind of writes like an uh, epilogue almost for them yeah exactly it's very cute um but that's my little summary let's talk let's do it all right so let's start off with talking about the sisters themselves how are eleanor and marianne different and how does it impact their relationships these differences um i mean they're super different obviously mm-hmm. eleanor frequently does what she perceives to be the correct thing, no matter how she may feel, uh, where Marianne follows her heart. Um, and she rarely ever thinks of the consequences. Yep. <laughs> I think uh, how it, it impacts the relationship. I think it holds Eleanor back um, a little bit 
but it does ensure that her her public image and her relationship with other people in her life is like spotless. Mm-hmm. Marianne, on the other hand, um, you know, she has really strong, quick romantic attachments, but she looks really silly to everyone else <laughs> around her. <laughs> Those relationships are tested a little bit um, where her romantic ones are, you know, seem to be good, I guess, at least. Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting because not only does their like sense and sensibility like aspects get in the way of their romantic relationships, but also like their personal relationships. Yeah, their family or yeah, personal. Marianne is like the swooning, like fainting, like but like loves being in that like like I know she goes through a drama, but she like loves going through it like it's part of what she expects (laughs) in a relationship is like i want there to be high highs and low lows is essentially what marianne wants and if i don't have that then it's not really love then my life Um, is boring (laughs) right exactly and then in eleanor like she barely reveals a thing about herself half the time because she sees her sister. And I think it's interesting because the two of them probably see the other person and it kind of encourages them not to act that to way. separate themselves. Right. But in the end, and we'll talk about this more later, they see what the other has gone through, how they've handled things, and they want to be more like the other almost a little bit. So that's really the interesting dynamic of Sense and Sensibility here is... Eleanor is reserved. Marianne is out there and we see what Marianne goes through. And in the end, she's like, yo, I needed to tone it back <laughs> like for real. And she's like, there is real passion in a man like Colonel Brandon, even though it's not like immediately apparent to you. Um, and then Eleanor, like we see when she finds out about Lucy, like that emotion just burst forth. And I think that in that moment, she sort of starts to understand like, oh, it's okay for me to show this emotion because now Edward is responding to it instead of us just, like, ignoring each other for weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it it impacts all their relationships. I think it even impacts their relationship with their mother. Like, their mother, the poor lady, is, like, constantly fretting over Marianne. And, like, eventually I think she admits, I feel like I ignored Eleanor this whole time, but I should have been paying attention to her. (laughs) Like... They just, the two of them don't quite have the right balance in either direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just impacts everyone around them. Yeah, I agree. I think Marianne thrives in the spotlight, whether it's a good spotlight or a negative spotlight. Um, that's just where she, like, Eleanor focuses so much of her attention on her sister. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone kind of, the world revolves around Marianne for a while. It's kind of true. Um, but Eleanor is more that logical person she's constantly thinking processing um she's more composed than her sister um she's able to hide her emotions and just uh make choices based on her duty in a Mm -hmm. sense more of her duty to her family her duty to her social status in a sense um and marion is just more spontaneous she's more of this loosey goosey romanticizing <laughs> life. Um, everything just has to be like bursting with color and bursting with life for her. It's just, it's either it has to be this way or blah, I hate it. Um, right. So it's, it's interesting to see the dynamic between these two sisters and how it 
their dynamic is kind of what carries the story. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I'm not as attached to this story right. as other Jane Austen, because it's not action forward mm-hmm. it's more it's more like emotional based i guess yeah. i talk I about their emotions towards each I don't know other if that's true or not you know what their sister dynamic reminds me of it reminds me of do you know white christmas yes you know that movie it mm-hmm. reminds me of like the rosemary clooney i don't know i don't remember their names in the the movie but rosemary clooney and the, her younger sister who's like more like out there and spontaneous and emotional and doing random things. And then like Rosemary Clooney's character is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I feel like it does come almost with an older sister. I'm trying to remember the names, but yeah, I forget, but it's like older sister vibes. It's Mm -hmm. like, I need to take care of this like wild and crazy thing. (laughs) And then younger sisters just like going about and not to say that either one is better or worse than the other i feel like we get we get from both of their experiences good and bad um i agree i think it's interesting to see that they both come to the realization that they kind of need to reverse their roles in a sense Mm. um they need one needs to be more expressive and the other one needs to learn to okay i gotta take it back sometimes yeah um, to find that balance Agreed. Because life life cannot be all sense and it cannot be all sensibility. It has to be that nice blend. There's that the and in the Devin. middle. There has to be a nice little and. That's beautiful. I think you figured <laughs> out the point of the novel. Now we Woo! can just. <laughs> this is That's the yeah, one and only question, guys. We're done. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about Eleanor and Edward. So what does Eleanor find in Edward and vice versa? What does he find in her? And what draws the two of them together? Um, I think that like Edward is humble and he's so content um, with where he is in life. Um, and I think Eleanor is that too. Uh, the fact that they have like similar goals and a similar temperament, I think that draws them together. Um, mm-hmm. Especially since both of them have siblings who um, can be other ends of the spectrum. I think that <laughs> they probably enjoyed that, you know, that yeah. they want a little more similar to themselves um and i you know especially in the movie um i think the movie helped me to kind of fall to enjoy their relationship more than the book did um you know that you get to kind of see them become friends and then naturally develop that romantic attachment where kind of in the book um it's just kind of like stated like it's just like yeah it's all narration yeah and so i think that kind of that helped me to to enjoy their relationship a little more and to see them see what they like about each other. Yeah. I think in I think you're right about the movie too. I I haven't watched the whole thing but I've watched like little snippets of it and I think like Hugh Grant just has like really kind soft eyes in it which I think is something that doesn't really reflect in Edward's character in the book but it like makes total sense. Like he he isn't out there for like the fame and glory and like the fact that his mom is so intensely like, okay, you need to be like rich and like doing all this famous, you need to be like in the military or whatever. And he's like, no, I just kind of like want to work for the church. Like, I love those moments of like him just sort of being content with a more pastoral life. Um, I think like 
that's really well portrayed in the movie. Mm. Um, I think that Eleanor finds in Edward like a kindred spirit, sort of someone who, and I, I think you're totally right to bring up the fact that they both have really like intense siblings and how that they sort of just find peace in each other. Um, they don't need to like be talking and gasping and like crying all the time with each other. They need something more stable and something a little bit quieter. Exactly. Um, so I think that that's kind of what draws the two of them together. Yeah, I, I think he what she sees in him is that he's just good hearted. Um, he sees she sees his heart through it all, his thoughtful and considerate nature um, and how they just align. They both have this. They're both in alignment with their values. Um and they both have this more reserved personality. They're yep. more, they're tuned with their emotions, but they don't sh- express their emotions outright. Uh, they have a sense of responsibility towards their family. Um, they will both are kind of duty forward, even if it mm-hmm. hurts themselves. Um, I think. Eleanor cares more about her sister than she does herself at times. Mm. And in the same way, uh, and we'll get to this a little bit later, Edward will put forth his duty for his family over his own desires. Mm -hmm. Um, But Edward is one of the few characters who truly understands Eleanor and her, her more reserved nature because he is of that same variety, if that's the right word. Uh, he appreciates her character and her strength. Um, and I think they work together to just be each other's emotional support um, through the turmoil that they ex- that they go through. Mm-hmm. Good point. Cool. So what do we think of Edward? Are his actions in anywhere in any way, excuse me, similar to that of Willoughby toward Marianne? Um, I have some mixed feelings on Edward. <laughs> oh, <laughs> same. I'm also with you. The tea. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the Edward from the movie was easier to like than the Edward in the book. Um, I think Hugh Grant did do a really good job. And, you know, like seeing him like play with her little sister and how like even in the in the movie, like there's one point where he like starts to tell her his situation and then they get interrupted where in the book you don't see any of that. Um, but I respect that he's devoted to his commitment. Like he's not wishy-washy and I think that's good. Um, But I think he's kind of cowardly. I think his actions are kind of similar to Willoughby because neither one of them chose to stand up for what they wanted or, you know, and to fight for the woman that they loved. Um, Instead, they just chose what was in a way easier. Mm. I know like for Edward, it may not have been easier to go through with it, but it was easier to not fight his family on it. Um, which I also find very ironic because it was a secret engagement. So like, right. No one knew, <laughs> like, in my opinion, like just secretly ended. <laughs> you secretly started it, secretly ended. <laughs> Cut it off. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, like I said, I, I respect that he, he, he doesn't leave her high and dry. Um, and he, he's consistent and, and does the right thing. But at the same time, was it the right thing? Mm. 
I think it's interesting you use the word cowardly. I think I think that actually makes a lot of sense. Like he he even comes across at the end and and says basically, I'm sorry that I was cowardly in this. Like I didn't quite know how to react while I was getting pressure from all these different sides and like this random girl that I was engaged to and it felt like what was another life of mine and just all this stuff. Um I will say like I think it is similar to what Willoughby does to Marianne because when he's ignoring her, it's not malicious. No. as It's not as malicious as what Willoughby Willoughby. does, but Willoughby also ends up wanting Marianne in the Mm -hmm. end. They're Um, both a little deceptive in there. I do. Not not necessarily intentionally, but it comes off as deceptive and just like lying. They're not, they're like too afraid to like engage properly with these women. And I think that's the similarity. Whereas Edward is just kind of afraid to get involved in it. Willoughby is more just like, I can do what I want and like sort of apathetic towards it. But I think they both just don't feel like dealing with the situation and that's what it comes down to. So I, I at first was going to say, yeah, I don't think it's the same because Willoughby's like more malicious, but I do see that it's, it comes down to neither of them wanting to deal with the difficulty that right. they've created themselves essentially. Um, but I, I don't mind Edward. I, like you said, the movie sort of made me appreciate him more as a romantic partner in the book. I almost was annoyed by him. Um, I found myself annoyed a lot at yeah. Edward and his yeah. lack of like a- action. Yeah. And I think uh. like in, in a lot of like romantic books, like nowadays, like that's what we want. We want that, that grand gesture and that like, I'm going to fight for this. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm going to put us first and Edward does not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very different than what, and then what, like, I feel like I'm used to reading, you know, in, in like our current books. Um, he just, he's just like, well, I said, well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's kind of funny. Like, and I, I get that Eleanor doesn't quite want the grand gesture that Marianne wants, but in the end, it's sort of like, but what does Edward put forth? And I guess there's like a sweetness to him. Um, he does care about her, but we don't really see how their relationship progresses once he kind of grows up. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I think both men, like you said, are afraid, but they're afraid because of the, they're like ensnared by societal perceptions or expectations. Yeah. Um. So, and which leads to their inability to kind of be open with these sisters because of their stepbrother is that who is that who it is at the beginning the stepbrother is it a brother that's supposed to give them money john dashwood i thought it was their brother it could be their cousin i don't remember he's a half brother half brother brother. okay different moms because yeah because that's how he had his like john already had money because Mm -hmm. yes he had all of her money and then he also got all of dad's money yeah so i think they're put in a poor situation and therefore their interactions with these guys cannot be fully supported by society, I Mm -hmm. guess. Um, But both sisters find themselves grappling with uncertain romantic futures because of these confusing signals that they're receiving from both of these guys. Yeah. Um, 
they're receiving mixed messages and they just don't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, and not that they're, well, not that one is, I don't, I don't think Edward is as deceptive in a cruel way. Yeah. I think he's just someone that doesn't fully always take action for himself. He's more on that. I got to be dutiful to my family. Got to be dutiful to expectations. Um, whereas um, Willoughby is much more, oh, I need, I, I, I need to have a, a life after love. Like I yeah. can't just put all of my apples in one basket kind of deal. Um, yeah. Something that really makes me mad, and we'll talk a little bit more about the culture and society of the time, but in a different regard, men were so in control of the relationships, like whether or not they happened, like whether or not the girl heard from them. Um, they were so in control of it that to see these two sort of weak men deal mm -hmm. with relationships that were difficult um, and deal with them in a way that was kind of bad... It shows you like what kind of position it really put women in at the time. Eleanor was like a constant nervous wreck thinking about Edward. And same with Marianne and Willoughby, although she was trying to like seem like she was fine the whole time. But really, because like the ball was in their court at all times and neither of them knew how to deal with a relationship, they like they didn't take action. They didn't take action it put these women in this position to sort of draw their own conclusions and make assumptions and then like formulate stories in their own heads that like made the drama much worse. Um, mm -hmm. That's why I appreciate Colonel Brandon. We're not talking about him right <laughs> now, but I appreciate him because he's very upfront. At least I think with his intentions, once it's like, Oh, she's open. She's free. But these two <laughs> other guys have something to learn. I'll tell you what. <laughs> they do <laughs> yeah okay so let's talk more about society at the time um a theme in many austin novels is how much money and family impact relationships and match decisions how do we see this play out between edward and eleanor in regards to his family and in general why is this such a big theme of the time so i think that it's just a big theme in austin's books because it's so real like, mm -hmm. I know, like, when you think about love and you have your rose-colored glasses on, um, but it's unrealistic to think that money and family aren't going to impact your relationship because at some point they're going to. Yeah. Um, no matter if you're the same status or different status or whatever, um, especially in that time. Like, in that time, it was a much bigger deal than it is now. Um, but, I mean, it it's going to matter throughout throughout all of time. And I think that's why her books um, are still so popular because we can still relate to them today, even though like our situation is different. It's not like right. it's still not super different, you know? Yeah. And, you know, when, when Edward's family like makes it so vocal that they are, they are not about that match, <laughs> you know, and that, and that's their whole reason is because she doesn't have any money. Um, and she's not like, you know, somebody high in society. And I mean, but I guess in the end, you know, especially like, again, in the movie, you get to see it more. I feel like, um, mm -hmm. you know, their, their adamant uh, disapproval yeah. and then how he 
at that point, then he does like, well, I'm still going to stay with her and I'm still going to, you know, I'm going to do this or whatever. But he had also already lost everything. So it was kind of like, he's not really like sacrificing a lot. Uh, I know. That, but that's yeah. where I struggle a little bit with him. Is that like, oh, now that you lost everything, now she's like, now you can mm-hmm. just make a decision. Like, yeah. come on. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to a friend the other day about the difference between generational families and um, sort of more Western families. Like, so now in the culture we live in, like you can kind of go out and forge your own future, no matter like who your family is essentially in this time you were granted what your family had. And so you were kind of beholden to what your family was telling you to do. And there are really bold men in of the time that are the romantic character, the Darcy's that we love who sort of say, well, screw my family. Like I'm going to do what I want to do because I love this person. But I think what's interesting about this story is that we do see like the struggle that so many men at this time went through, which was, well, if I go against my mother's wishes, I will literally have no generational wealth passed down to me and I don't work. So (laughs) it was just like, but like, it's horrible. It's horrible that that's the way that the society Mm -hmm. ran. But I think that's why we see such an impact, like the impact that it had on young men and young women and just deciding they want to be together because they were in love. Is it just? No, it's not just. But you can see in all of these stories that money and family really do impact the choices that they make. Um, which is another thing, too, which is like, oh, Edward, like you said, Devin, it's kind of annoying that he's like not willing to go up against his family until it's like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> you, t- you, took my, you took my fortune? All right, that's fine. I'll all right, fine. My- <laughs> I'm screwed anyway. Like <laughs> I'm content right. anyways. Right. Um, but you're right. Edward comes from this wealthy and respectful family. Their social status is what's most important to them, um, which kind of forces him to get into this engagement with Lucy. Um, Lucy. <laughs> we'll talk about her. <laughs> um, but his sense of duty and loyalty to his family's wishes clashes with his own affection. And for most of the story, it wins over his affection. Um, he is torn between following his heart and adhering to what his family wants for him um, or what his family doesn't want for him. Um, and his eventual decision is about prioritizing what's important to him. Mm-hmm. Um Am I going to prioritize my love and my happiness or my financial gain? Uh, what's hello? What's more important <laughs> to me? Um, so I think he makes the right. I mean, obviously he makes the right choice, but I think it's because his choice was the effect of his mother taking away his um what am I trying to say? What's the word? His money fortune, inheritance. His, yes. His inheritance. Yeah. So if that wouldn't have happened, I don't know if he would have made the same choice. And Wasn't he? Oh, go ahead. Well, and especially because from what I understood, then after his mom took away his money, then Lucy dumped him mm. with his brother. And mm. so I wonder like, would he still, would he still have stayed with Lucy? Because Correct. a you know, that was weak his- sauce. <laughs> yeah. 
I I have issues with him. <laughs> I just yeah. and his, this is his choice was an effect, like a, a cause and effect. Like because of this happened, this is the choice that he made. But he should have made that choice out of his desire versus the effect of something else. Yeah. Yep. And that's where his weakness comes in. Right. That's where we call him a little bit cowardly, I would say. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. Next. Do we feel like Eleanor and Edward ever show emotion? Is it always necessary for emotions to be very obvious when it comes to a relationship? Um, I do not think they show emotion. It's <laughs> like the first, like, 75% of the story. Um, at the end, you know, as we've kind of talked about a little bit, you know, then they start to kind of um, have a little bit more of that sensi- sensibility. Um, but, you know, I think, I think as long as the emotions are obvious to the two people who are in the relationship, then it doesn't matter so much if they're obvious to other people. Mm. In this situation, they weren't very obvious to each other because Eleanor was fretting for like 75% of the book. Like, Mm -hmm. does he like me? Is he engaged to her? Does he like her? Or is he just engaged to her? Like what is going on? Because, and so I, that tells me, you know, their emotions were not obvious to each other where at the bare minimum, at least the other person should know how you feel. Communication. We come back to this every episode because every every couple in literature has some issue with communication. I think you're completely right. Like they really don't know how to show emotion to each other. And I don't know if that's because they're young and they just have not experienced too much of relationships in the world. I I do think your point on age is really important. Yeah. She's 19. Yeah. And how old so, is he? I don't actually even know. I don't remember, but I know, but it makes sense that their naivety or their um, inability to take action is because they are in their youth still. Mm-hmm. They're still like processing and trying to. Um, I think it's a good, it's a valid thing to be thinking about because um, it's you're not like, right. what's her name? Who's, who, what's her name in Persuasion? Who's like in her thirties? Oh, Anne. Yeah, yeah. Anne, who's like much older and is able She's to been through it. She's made the yeah. mistakes. Right. Well, that's. I mean, that it's a it's a good point to be thinking about too, because we're gonna get to our eventual last question of do we ship it, and it's gonna have to come down to the idea of maturity for me. I still haven't fully decided if I'm gonna say yes or no, uh, but ultimately, like, I don't think, like you said, Whitney, it's not always super important that emotions are obvious to the world around like in marianne's case she's like everyone better freaking see my rise and fall in every single relationship and i'm gonna like faint as soon and like fall into like sickness and distress as soon as it's over whatever um but i do think like the key to this here with them is that at the very least like they should have been confident in their feelings for each other Lucy Steele wasn't even promised that much and she was more confident in Edward's feelings about her than Eleanor was so I think at the very least like for a relationship to work you have to like reciprocate the feelings and you have to communicate 
your feelings for the other person well enough that they at least understand they're in a relationship with you. Uh, Do you think Lucy actually knew Edward's feelings for her? I don't know. Lucy didn't care. She or do you think she was just like, I'm here to stir that pot? <laughs> it's, uh... In the movie, it definitely seems that way. It seems like she knows that Edward likes Eleanor, and mm. she's going to remind her at every single chance she gets. Ah! You may like him. I got the ring. But he, like, yeah, like I'm with him. <laughs> and that was that's the thing is like Eleanor tries so hard not to make it clear, at least in the book. She's like, sort of like oh you know talking to lucy about this literally kills me it's like i'm getting stabbed on the inside but i'm not going to say anything and lucy just sort of continuously brings it back to eleanor's perspective she's like what do you think about this edward said this i saw him in town whatever um you're he right wrote that's to a- me last week <laughs> yeah he wrote to me oh my gosh <laughs> it's it's annoying and we're going to talk about lucy we are yeah uh, a little bit further down but yeah um, um I, I they are both very emotionally subtle um i think eleanor is known for her self-control she's known for concealing her feelings and she's more of this stoic persona um but she tries to grapple with these internal feelings um she never lets her walls down on um, Edward two displays more of this introverted nature as well, mm. um, where he's conflicted with emotions, but doesn't necessarily act upon them as we mentioned, or like express these feelings. Um, while some people are more expressive and others may be more reserved in their emotions. Um, it comes, like you guys said, it comes down to, whether both people in the relationship have a mutual understanding um and there's some communication and compatibility that allows them to be in tune with each other um does it have to be emotional in tune not necessarily um i think that helps yep but i don't think it's necessary for a relationship to flourish um I think Eleanor and Edward's relationship kind of highlights that aspect that it, they don't necessarily always have to be expressive, emotional about themselves, but it is necessary to communicate, which is why when they do become more sensitive, sensible, um, sensible. They, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they do get that communication flowing and are able to express their feelings for each other more smoothly. Yeah. All right, so Eleanor spends much, like most of the novel, uh, much (laughs) of her time worrying about Marianne rather than her own happiness. How does this impact her relationship with Edward, just generally? Um, So I think that because she's so focused on Marianne, it puts her her whole life on the back burner. Um, Mm -hmm. And because it's on the back burner, it's not dealt with like it should. It should be, you know, there's no, not that I think Eleanor would have done this, but she doesn't ask him about it or, or even attempt to see other people. Like she's just like stuck, you know, she's not mm-hmm. doing anything. All of her attention and all of her energy is going to Marianne. Um, I mean, we talked about that communication there. There's like no communication between mm-hmm. them and it doesn't seem like 
they, their attachment is a priority to either one of them. Um, like Edward, obviously, because he's still with Lucy. And then Eleanor, because she's just taking care of Marianne. And so it's like, is anybody caring about this relationship? Like, <laughs> the reader or like... <laughs> Do either of you want to be together? Yeah. Or... <laughs> Don, like, did I miss that point? Like, what's happening? So, yeah. Yeah. It just makes me angry for Eleanor more than anything. But she does it to herself. You don't have to get so wrapped up in Marianne's drama. Like, let her deal with it. I guess she's a caring sister, though, so that's, you know, good. Um, mm -hmm. But really what it does is because Marianne requires so much of the world revolving around her in her relationship drama, Eleanor is not even able to parse out what her feelings are and what Edward's feelings are and what Lucy's feelings are. She's really mm -hmm. not able to focus on the things that she needs to take time to discern before making any sort of good decision about Edward. Um, right. Marianne kind of is like a, like a black hole in that regard. She like takes up all the people around her, like random. What's that woman's name that like comes in and they don't like her, but she, She's like, I'm so worried about Marianne all the time. And then her mom is like crying about Marianne. It's like everyone cares about this. Eleanor needs to put herself first. I, I, I wish I could give you the name, but like. I forget her name. For some I reason, do. these characters did not stick with me. They didn't stick. <laughs> well, it's sort of like the Anne character. Like you were mentioning before, Devin cares about everyone in her family watches you know her hysterical sister's kids when she's going through something but doesn't ever have the time in the novel to focus on her own problems yeah uh yeah i think you're both right she sets her life on hold for her sister and it's out of a sense of love it's out of sense of duty mm -hmm. um to her family that she f puts more focus on her rather than her own problems and issues but i also think she uses her sister as kind of a scapegoat mm. like instead of focusing on my problems i'm going to instead indulge into her and help her out to kind of just push down bottle up these feelings that i have That's let's fair. put a cap in it hold on to that for next time and let me deal with this problem instead um I think that's one of the issues as to not issues, but one of the reasons as to why um, she puts so much focus on Marianne because um, she doesn't want to express or feel these feelings. So similar up. to the sisters in white Christmas where mm. she won't engage with Bing Crosby until her sister is like taken care of. Yeah. I'll even throw in the same with uh Akatar with uh, Nesta. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Nesta's always trying to push it down, push it down. Not dealing with <laughs> and that. She she has to eventually face it, um, which is kind of where I'm at in the mm -hmm. whole series. But um, regardless, uh, next, let's dive into um, what do we think? Yes, Lucy. What do we think about this whole Lucy situation? Uh, does Edward handle it well? And how about Eleanor? How does she deal with this? We kind of a little bit talked about her a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think Eleanor handles it very well. I think any woman who is put in in that situation, I don't know if you could handle it any better. Like I'd slap her. Yeah, right. <laughs> she she's kind to her and she's respectful to her the whole time. 
even though, like you said earlier, like she feels like she's like dying every time she has to talk about it, but she still talks about it. She does, you know, I'm just going to take, I'm just going to let Lucy do her thing. I'm going to talk to, I'm going to be nice to her. He never told me for sure we were anything. So blah, 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 where Edward does not handle it well at all. Again, I mean, I, I already said earlier, it was a secret engagement secretly ended. Like I felt that he should have just, you know, he knew that they were not a good match for each other. He knew that he had no feelings for her. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like he probably had an idea that she was more after his money than him. If he didn't, he sure figured that out eventually, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, they, they, they handled it. Like he did terrible. She did great. (laughs) I would agree. I would agree. The only thing I would say about Eleanor is sometimes she engaged in the conversation because she wanted information about Edward, whereas she never got any information about Edward uh, apart from being from from hearing it from Lucy. What I do think is interesting is she never once believed Lucy fully until she heard from Mm. someone else that they were married. Like she, she's so freaking loyal to a guy who's given her all of like two seconds of his feelings for her. It actually kind of annoyed me. I was like, how do you know that he's not engaging other women this way? Like, how can you be so sure? Because he doesn't even talk to you or look at you. Like, I don't know. Uh, But she, like you said, I think she had a lot of grace about it. She wasn't just yelling about her own feelings or starting drama like we know Marianne would. Because I forget, there's like a quote that Marianne says that I wrote down that I think is hilarious that she couldn't not say something. Oh, it was impossible for her to say. It was impo- it was impossible for her to say what she did not feel, no matter how trivi- trivial a situation. So, like, Marianne, <laughs> Marianne would be like, excuse me, Lucy, like, I'm, yeah. Right. But, it would be but, funny to see that this was the sister switch in this person yeah. see how they would react. Eleanor is, like, just calm. Like, I'm going to trust him. Like, I'm going to get as much info as I can, whatever. But you're right about Edward. Like, screw that guy and how he handled this. I... Like what the heck? He, it was sort of like he was tagging her along because He's both ladies along, almost. right? It felt very much like that because he didn't know where his family stood on the whole thing, mm. and that's really annoying. Yeah, but I, I Lucy, just twisting that knife, man. <laughs> uh, but like you said, Eleanor kind of does it to herself because she keeps going back to the source. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like like we were talking about earlier, I don't know if Lucy ever felt secure in her relationship with Edward because it was expand. Like, I think they were engaged for like three years or more, five years. I don't even know. I know it's been a, it was a long period of time. Yeah. Do you remember, Whitney? I think it was four. Four. OK. Um, I could be wrong. That's worse. Like what? Four years? I'm sorry. Yeah. Edward, what the heck? I, I just how did Edward get two women? So <laughs> this guy who barely says a freaking word. He, <laughs> he's not coming in with roses or like you're so beautiful. He's just a blah like a I'm sorry, I won't I won't vent on Edward. And it I mean like this is gonna sound terrible, but like it even says in the book that he's not, you know, outwardly very attractive. Like he's just like a normal average guy. <laughs> so so what? Like, like, what are you women fighting over him for? 
because he has a nice heart <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> regardless um, i i do lucy is to blame for the situation as well like, like i said i don't think she's as comfortable with her situation so therefore sh when she knows that eleanor or suspicious that eleanor might have feelings for edward she's overprotective and like oh guess what <laughs> got something for you so oh, she God. she tries to be showy of it because i think she's less secure of it yeah. if that makes sense um but edward man you just what are you doing um he just doesn't do anything he allows the entities above his family and societal expectations to kind of make like control his life and his choices and it's not until his mother strips him of his wealth that he's able to make his own choices and become a a man <laughs> maybe that uh, frees him maybe not having that it does freeze him a little bit absolutely it's a huge burden on his shoulders and i totally understand that make a choice i don't know <laughs> just make your choices bro but if you if you want to adhere to your family and society then do that if you want to follow your heart then do that like you got to make a choice and having his mother make the choice for him i think that's a cop out agreed um but eleanor does a great job at handling the situation she does bottle it up which i don't think is great for her mentally but she shows a lot of grace towards lucy in mm -hmm. not reacting or not get giving her giving lucy the reaction that she's that wanting, she wants I think. yeah um she's holding it back might and, teach lucy a thing or two as well yeah <laughs> that's very true maybe <laughs> but, but again she doesn't address the issue with edward which is what causes this thing to just stretch out and become such a big issue in the first place yep so but anyway so then we get to the end of this whole crappy situation. <laughs> we see Eleanor become overcome with emotion when she believes Edward and Lucy are married. Is this surprising for Eleanor? How do we see this crack in her emotional armor show itself? And how does she grow from this moment? Um, I was very surprised by it. And I, I mean, I think that was the the intended response for the reader was to be like, whoa, where is this coming from? You've been so reserved the whole whole book. And now, wow, you are. And upset. now you're just mm -hmm. bawling over here. Like, um, And I really like, again, that was a scene I really liked in the movie because you really got to see like the huge change in her. You know, she was like loud and crying. She she let everyone know that she was upset. And, and I think it was good to see her family's reaction to that. Yeah. Um, and like it was good for her to let go but it also shows those around her like hey i'm having a hard time like i may have not said anything but i am not doing great <laughs> right now um and i think that gives her the freedom to feel those feelings and also to get that support from that that marianne's been getting the entire book you know i think is like that was like eleanor's turn like this is too much for me <laughs> i'm done <laughs> so yeah. yeah um i think we see what matters most to her we see how deeply she feels for edward when she feels like this is the end and it all of her emotions reach that peak and she just has to burst she's been shoving it down for so long that when it, she hears this news that he's married 
it just kind of explodes out of her. Mm-hmm. Um, she cares so much for her sister's well-being that she's confronted with her feelings. Um, she's trying to deal with that situation with her sister and also deal with her own situation. And it's just all of these emotions are just flooding through her uh, mm-hmm. and they burst through this crack. Um, but I don't think this is a surprising um, end for her or um, reveal for her because she's been shoveling it down. So like, yeah, she's just been digging that hole, digging that hole, digging that hole for herself and not allowing herself. So she deserves, she has earned the right for a good cry. (laughs) I think Um, like more than anything, it just teaches the people around her how to react to Eleanor and how to engage with her. Like she learns from it because there's an ultimate like freeing, like whooshing mm -hmm. sense of, Oh, I can like show my emotions. Correct. But her mom is like, like I was saying before, her mom is like, Oh my gosh. Maybe I haven't been paying attention to my daughter. Oops. (laughs) And then not only that. Eleanor who? (laughs) Yeah. It pushes uh, Edward to finally freaking say what's on his mind. Mm. I feel like maybe he has been looking at relationships a little bit more transactionally until this point where he's like, oh, my like my actions or my inaction has actually like hurt this woman. Caused pain. Huh? Who like, <laughs> oh, I should probably tell her what I feel. Like, yeah. But you're right. She does learn or come to the understanding that it's okay to express yourself. You don't have to have this facade that you just have to hide behind or, or put up so that way you're not making, um, you're not having reactions or facing people um, and their expectations. So I think she does learn this. I think she, it, it comes to the point that she has to learn it. She has to feel it. Um, So, yeah, I think a lot of people go through this who are a little bit more sensitive Mm. about how their feelings impact people around them, because as uncomfortable as it could be for her to say her emotions, I think where where it comes where more comes from from Eleanor's perspective is she doesn't want to like burden the people around her with her feelings. Um, So I think like this moment shows her I'm not burdening people actually like it helps them understand what i'm feeling more than anything well and to be fair her sister fully expresses her emotions and yeah and she, she knows feels, what burden that is she so. feels the burden from her sister so she's like oh if i don't show my emotions then i'm not burdening burdening other people right but there's that balance it's the end of it all yes right? exactly so all right on we go does sense or sensibility ultimately win out in the realm of successful relationships here. Okay, so if I had to pick one, <laughs> I had to pick one, I would pick sense. But I, I don't think that the goal is to pick one. I think that both what Austin wanted um, and both what is real life is that you have to have both wisdom and feelings for your marriage to be successful. Yep. Um And when each sister moved from their like dramatic end of the spectrum closer to the middle, that's when they found happiness. Like when Mm -hmm. they were so stuck on, on their hard and fast, like, no, it's only one, they were unhappy. And then when they finally 
you know, moved a little bit towards the other end of the spectrum, that's when things worked out for them. So I think that's, that's the goal is that you're supposed to have. You're mm-hmm. supposed to have. Yeah, I think you're totally right. It is like, that's the whole point of this book is that neither one ultimately wins out when it's the yep. only extreme that's present. Um, I think it's funny that you say sense because I would say sensibility if I was choosing one. Like if I had to choose a hot or a cold romance, I would choose a hot romance. <laughs> of course you would. Day in, day out. But I also recognize that like Marianne kind of like, she kind of ruined her own mental health her own relationship like the guys weren't even that to blame like willoughby was to blame but like it was her imagination and her i don't know she really like spun herself into a web that was like crazy so obviously the the point of the story like you said is these things need to mesh they can't just exist on their own Mm -hmm. in a relationship and have the relationship last in a sense relationship only you aren't going to know what the other person is feeling. You're not going to have passion in the sensibility side. You're only going to have passion. You're not going to have any like moment of like, okay, let's take a step back. Let's breathe. Let's like look over our lives and see if we've done the right thing or not. You're also more prone to just like leaving someone when they're not interesting you anymore. Um, so you need both. Yeah, no, I agree with you both. I think that two is better than no I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, you do you do need that natural sense mentality, but you also need to Which one to... would you lean more towards, Devin? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think bo- I both ends of this spectrum are bad. Yeah. Um I mean traditionally from what I've been experiencing, you've you've through this podcast, you have made me read a lot of romance. So there you have it. Um, I'm so sorry, <laughs> uh, but because of my experiences, I feel like I am more attached to the sense. No, I think the sensibility. You think so? <laughs> I I think there needs to be a little bit more emotion based at times, but. Sorry. Those are the ones that you kind of get more fired up about, I think. Yeah. Well, that's you're right. When you're reading a novel about romance, someone else, you're like, someone else can sensibility, have that. please. But it's, you know. In real life, probably more sense. Right. But you need that balance. Yes. Okay. So let's talk general Austin. I know, Whitney, you said you read Pride and Prejudice as well. Um, So out of the two or out of what you know of Jane Austen, like what is your favorite Austen book and pairing? Um, Well, as as basic of an answer as this is, Pride and Prejudice and Elizabeth and Darcy. It's not basic. (laughs) I have respect for you. (laughs) I mean, they're just the whole enemies to lovers and him... I like him falling first and being so completely clueless and then eventually figuring out, you know, how to express his emotions and, right. and his his big grand gesture. Um, that wasn't it was a big grand gesture, but it wasn't like in your face grand. Like he tried to do it like quietly and help everybody. Like he was just a really good guy in the end, mm. even though he'd come across as a good guy at the beginning. Um, but yeah, they're my favorite. Love it. 
Devin, how many have you read now that we've been through the podcast? What I is don't it? Remember the third? Them all. Emma, you've got we we did uh Pride and Prejudice, obviously. We did Persuasion. Persuasion, this one. This one. I don't think we've done any other ones. I think those are That's the, the four. main ones, I think really. Those are the four. Um, we haven't done Northanger Abbey yet, which I think will be a good October one at some point. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, mm, out of the ones that we've read, and just from conversations, I I feel like Elizabeth and Darcy are the more solid choice for me. Um, I think there are aspects of each that I admire but I think their story is the stronger one that I appeal to mm-hmm. the enemies to lovers. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> you can't um, go wrong with that trope. I have such a hard time with this question. I think my favorite Austin book will forever be Northanger Abbey. I just think it's freaking hilarious, but they're not my favorite pairing whatsoever. Mm. Like I, this is really hard. I, I don't know why I asked this question. I kind of hate myself. Like, I want to say Darcy and Elizabeth because that that's the the couple that got me into reading. Like when when I was thinking of doing this podcast, that is the first couple that came to mind that we needed to do. So they will forever have a place in my heart. But through the podcast, I've really grown to love Emma and Mr. Knightley. I mm. think I know that you didn't. I don't. I don't think you liked them too much, Devin. Did you? I don't really remember. If I'm being honest, <laughs> all I know is the newer movie of Emma actually yeah. got me into them um, quite I'd a agree bit. With that. And then Persuasion is like just all of them. They're all good. Persuasion I, yeah. is good because it gives you like an older perspective of of love. It's not that new, young, mm-hmm. the immature. Chance. Right. Right. So yeah. I don't know. I yeah, guess I, I would I, have to say Lizzie and Darcy. Like I said, I think there's, I think there's, with Lizzie and, Dar- yeah. I think um, I'd have to. Uh, there's aspects of all of them that I, I'm partial to. Like, I, I right. like them all for different reasons. Right. Uh, but this one, uh, well, let's get to it. <laughs> <laughs> the final question, I guess. Do we ship it? Ooh, okay. Um, my, my honest answer is that I'm a little lukewarm about it, but if I had to pick yes or no, I would probably pick no. That was, my initial, that was my initial response when reading it. The movie helped, but some of the things I liked most about their relationship in the movie didn't happen in the book. Like that Correct. time he started to tell her, like they were in the stable and he's like, hey, and then they were interrupted. And I was like, oh, man, see, like that made me be like, well, he tried, but in the book, he didn't <laughs> like that actually mm. didn't. Um, and then, you know, the fact that he he did eventually end up with her. But would he have ended up with her if Lucy didn't choose to leave him? Um, the real questions. I don't know. And so that's why, like. I think Eleanor could could do better. I think she could. <laughs> I mean, um, but so I guess lukewarm, but if I had to pick, I'd pick no. Yeah, I, I agree. The exact same answer. <laughs> I totally Devin, agree. This is the first like, no, we have the had first in Jane a Austin, long time. I think. But because, even the, maybe, I don't know about Emma, but 
Well, I just know that like. And this so, isn't. This was not an expected no. Like no. I did not expect to say no. To I this suffer <laughs> when I say no to this. But the thing is, Dev and I were just joking about the fact that we pick. We only pick couples because we like them. So the past like forty episodes, we've said, "Yeah, we ship it." But like for the first time, not only am I a little bit lukewarm, I like the way you put it. I also have like major reservations, reservations. that mm-hmm. I don't know will be solved. Like I know they end up married. I'd love to see some of that before I made a real decision. But if I had to pick, given the the circumstance right now, I think I would also say no. Yeah, and the same thing. I I think when talking to Steph via message about this couple, I was like, I just want more interaction so that I can base my decision off of that. Like, I don't yeah. think we're given enough dialogue with them. I don't think we're given enough romancy scenes mm-hmm. and yeah. i'm not talking about like they have yeah. to kiss or they have to like do like i just want to see them interact and we yeah. don't always get that well it's almost it's interesting because this story is almost less about the lovey-dovey like exciting romance as it is the concept of sense and sensibility like yeah i would say that the conversation is more about marianne and eleanor than about the men that are in either of their lives agreed um which do i ship (laughs) i ship their like sisterly bond that they eventually (laughs) like figure out who they're supposed to be but they're both content in the end (laughs) right right but the content because i think the word is actually content and i'm like should you just be content with what you're given i don't like content is like yeah this is okay i like this i'm content is with that this. how a romance novel should end like is that in life sure you end up content you end up happy whatever but when you're reading romance and you're like i want like the happily ever after instead we get the content ever after and it's like it's not <laughs> the same <laughs> It's realistic, but that's not always like, but I don't read for reality. <laughs> Amen, this is not sister. what we ship for. <laughs> I do wonder, you know, you had mentioned earlier um, about, you know, specifically you talked about Colonel Brandon and, and then the other two men and the, the difference in their maturity level. And I wish, like, like you had said, being able to see more of their relationship later on to see if as they mature, if things get better. And, and as yeah. they get to that point at the end of the book where each couple is more, um, you know, in the middle, they're not all wisdom on that feelings. They're, they're a little bit of both. I wonder if they're, if their relationship gets better and they have more connection and more mm-hmm. romantic moments, you know, that we, that would have helped me, I think, right. to, to be behind them a lot more. What I would like to see is a love triangle for Eleanor. Yeah. Like, I think Edward got that love triangle with Lucy, but I would rather have seen Eleanor get a love triangle and her have to decide, well, I've had a stronger relationship with Edward, but now this new guy's coming and he's actually fighting for me. Whereas let's Edward's write not it, Devin. For me. Let's, <laughs> let's write the sequel. In the movie, I feel like you see so much of Eleanor and Colonel Brandon talking mm. that if like if I hadn't read the book first, I would have thought that they were going to end up together. Yeah, mm. they were communicating so, more than anyone else. In the whole Devin book. knows this about me. I don't know what it is, but these books, like 
I love when the man is a little bit older than the woman because men take longer to mature. And it's very clear because you can see a difference in Colonel Brandon versus Edward. You can see a huge difference in characters like Rochester and Edward. And I know Devin hates Rochester (laughs) so much. He hates Jane Eyre and uh, rightfully so. But in these types of stories, I think that when the guy has been through a little bit more, he can come to a better conclusion about how to love someone properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've All said right. my piece. <laughs> from there. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. But let's hear from some of you. Um, our comment today comes to us from Abby. And she says, and this is actually a really uh, well written and Kudos to Abby for sending this in to us. Um, She says, their relationship is so adorable. I think Eleanor and Edward are perfect for each other. The key trait that I associate with them, with both of them, is honorable. Edward keeps his word with Lucy, even when it almost ruins his life and keeps him from his true love. Eleanor keeps her word to Lucy, too, by keeping her secret, even when it means she has to suffer in silence. Edward is by no means the best Austin hero. He is pretty passive instead of going after what he wants, and he puts his honor over Eleanor's feelings. But he's a human disaster, so I feel for him a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I, I also think the adaptations really flesh Edward out. In the novel, we don't see much of his interactions with Eleanor, and he doesn't have much personality on the page. Agreed. Mm. <laughs> but both Hugh Grant, 1995, and Dan Stevens in 20, uh, in 2008, add so much personality to make the character so lovable, especially their interactions with Margaret. The one letdown with the 1997 movie and the book is that we don't see the final scene with Edward telling Eleanor how much he feels, but in the 2008 version, it it shows the scene and it makes me cry. That's really good. Yeah, and she does note, like Abby, you do note the positives but also the negative. So I think you have a really realistic depiction of this Mm -hmm. uh, couple. Um, Not only that, I I like that she almost called because we were talking more about how Edward shouldn't have led Lucy on, but maybe that it comes from a sense of honor is what she's saying mm -hmm. um, not to break his promises, which I think in the book he does mention, even though like you can kind of tell he's also just not wanting to deal with it. Um, I think that's an interesting perspective because the two of them do show moments of grace and honor in their lives yeah i'd agree with that yeah okay so um thank you for i don't know what i'm saying right now oh okay moving on moving on uh so shippers thank you for following us as usual and a big thank you to whitney for joining us as our guest um i wanted to open up the floor to you whitney to let people know how to follow you and if you have any updates on things coming up on your bookstagram um well thank you for having me first of all it was a lot (laughs) of um uh so you had mentioned earlier that my instagram is mama ink drinker um and I don't know, I just, I read books and sometimes I review them and sometimes I don't. I'm a little all over the place uh, lately, um, but that's where to keep up with me if, with my reading and the, the things I do enjoy. Um, and I have a book that I wrote. It's a picture book. So you can get that on Amazon. Awesome. I was just about to say, what is it called? Published. I am. Uh, it's called A Colorful Convoy. Um, and it's about oh. like, 
colors and numbers uh, for for small children. For I have kids. Son. Yeah, I have a son who's three, so I wrote it for him. You know, like a year or two ago, um, and it's all about trucks and yeah, fun stuff like that. And there may or may not be some other projects in the works, but we're not gonna count our chickens before they hatch. So absolutely. Beautiful. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely take a moment to go and follow uh, Whitney on Instagram. Uh, she's amazing at what she does and um, just very personable. And you get to a sense of who she is from everything that she does on Instagram. So um, Thank you. <laughs> you're very welcome. Um, and as usual, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate us and leave a review whether it's on Spotify that you're on. Hello, Spotifyers. If you're on hmm. Apple Podcasts, if you're on uh, Stitcher or wherever you're at, Google Podcasts, we would love to hear your feedback. So go ahead and give us your thoughts down below. Yep. And please engage with us on social media. Our Instagram is where we spend most of our time. Um, <laughs> or email us at weshipitpodcast at gmail.com if you want to join us or send in comments. We love you, shippers. See you next time. I've come here with no expectations, only to profess now that I am at liberty to do so that my heart is and always will be yours. See you next time. <laughs> Bye, shippers.